welcome to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. This podcast is devoted to helping increase your daily exposure to God's Word with a short scripture reading and brief commentary on key ideas, themes, and theology in each chapter. Now please join your host, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Well, welcome back to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. My name is Dave, and today is February 16th, and today we're going to look at Genesis 47. Just as a reminder, every day I read from one chapter of God's Word, so today we're going to look at Genesis 47, and then I offer a brief explanation of key ideas, themes, and theology. My goal is to get you into God's Word for about 5 to 20 minutes every day. And let's just be honest, uh, sometimes I'm successful, and sometimes we go well over the 20 minutes. So, let's get into our reading today from Genesis 47. Here's what Genesis 47 says. So Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers, with their flocks and herds and all that they possess, have come from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen, and from among his brothers he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds as our fathers were. They said to Pharaoh, We have come to sojourn in the land, and there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now please let your servant dwell in the land of Goshen. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, your, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in, in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. And then, and then Joseph brought in Jacob his father and stood before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many are the days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. And then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession, the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with food, according to the number of their dependents. And now there was no food in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan in exchange for the grain that they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? For our money is gone. And Joseph answered, Give your livestock and I will give you food in exchange for your livestock if your money is gone. And so they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the herds, and the donkeys. He supplied them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. And when that year was ended, they came to him the following year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that all our money is spent. The herds of livestock are my Lord's. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our land. Why should we die before your eyes that both we and our land? By us and our land for food, and we will, with our land, will be servants to Pharaoh. And give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. 
And so Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. All the Egyptians sold their fields because the famine was severe on them. The land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he made them servants of them from one end of Egypt to uh, the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had a fixed allowance from Pharaoh and lived on the allowance that Pharaoh gave them. And therefore, they did not sell their land. And then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have this day bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And at harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four fifths shall be yours, as seed for the field, and as food for yourselves and your household, and as food for your little ones. And they said, You have saved our lives. May it please my Lord, we will be servants to Pharaoh. And so Joseph made it a statue concerning the land of Egypt, and it stands to this day. That Pharaoh should have the fifth, the land of the priests alone, did not become Pharaoh's. Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it, and were fruitful and multiplied greatly. And Jacob lived in the land seventeen years, so the days of Jacob, the years of his life, were 147 years. And when the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his sons Joseph and said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, put your hand under my thigh and promise to deal kindly and truly with me. Do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. Carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. He answered, I will do as you have said. And he said, Swear to me. And he swore to him. And then Israel bowed himself upon the head of his bed. Well, this is our reading today from Genesis 47. Overjoyed that his family was finally and fully reunited. Now, Joseph must enact his plan to settle his clan in Egypt for their growth and their prosperity. Today, as we're looking in this chapter, we're going to see how the Pharaoh was pleased to give the Israelites the woman's seed a home in his country. And for the most part, Joseph's five brothers follow his directions regarding how they should speak with the king. They reveal their vocation as, as shepherds, as instructed, saying more than, than Joseph told them to say when they began describing the severe famine that prompted them to leave Canaan as well, as in asking specifically for the land of Goshen in verse 4. The Pharaoh graciously grants the request of Jacob's family, and even puts them in charge of his livestock in verses 5 through 6, establishing Jacob and his sons as court officials and thereby investing them with legal rights and legal protection. This turn of events corroborates what is known about ancient Egyptian civilizations, again demonstrating scripture's trustworthiness. A later pharaoh, Ramses III, employed over 3,200 foreigners as overseers of his vast herds of cattle and other animals. Now, one commentator aptly says that this passage is a good model of honest dealings between a secular regime and Yahweh's sojourning people. As such, it offers us a good opportunity to touch on issues of church and state, especially when today we're, we're seeing this issue is considered in light of Israel's later experience in Egypt. Believers do often enjoy positions of safety and even privilege in cultures that do not trust the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when Christians engage the government responsibly, blessing often ensues as seen here and in other passages such as Nehemiah 1, 1 through Nehemiah 2, 8. And yet our security does not rest in the government as we say, must say. For as the Pharaoh shows us, ruling authorities can turn on the church even if she has benefited society as we're going to see in Exodus 1, 8 through 22. 
Let us not be terrified or even taken off guard should this happen. Our sworn allegiance is to Christ's kingdom, which is not of this world, as we see in John 18.36. And to that realm alone do we owe unqualified submission to our King and our Master, the Lord Jesus. Now, in the United States and other Western countries where the church has long held sway, we see increasing attempts to silence the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Our task should be to be salt and light, as Jesus teaches, even in the political realm remains. But let us take care never to follow without question any single figure, political party, or even special interest group. May we never compromise scripture for the sake of political expediency or cease praying for those set in authority over us. It's now time for Jacob to see Pharaoh in verse 7. Jacob's advanced age is apparent here, and he's asked a number of the days of the years of his life in verse 8. But he does not just answer with a number. He also defines his years as few and evil in verse 9. Now, Jacob's use of few and evil is very appropriate here. Here is a man who suffered his brother's wrath in Genesis 27:41, and the loss of his mother after seeing his own, own father, indentured servitude to a greedy uncle, marriage to jealous sisters, a daughter who suffered rape, and sons dispos- dispossessed to murder, disrespect, and slave trading all followed suit, as we've seen in chapters 28 through 37. This trouble largely resulted from his own actions, to be sure. Nevertheless, Jacob's life, he understands, has not been easy going. His 130 years are not many compared to the 180 years of his father Isaac as we've seen in Genesis 35:28 and the 175 years of his grandfather Abraham as we saw in Genesis 25:7. Now, Jacob has more to say about his life than to call his days few and evil. As bad as his life has been, it represents only a sojourning, as we see in Genesis 47.9, a temporary residence in exile from his heavenly home, according to Hebrews 11.13-16. That is, life in this present age, while by no means insignificant, is going to pale in comparison to our final home where we will dwell with the Lord on a renewed earth, as we see in Revelation 21.1-8. Jacob believed this, though he grasped it only in shadows. Under the new covenant, we long for this day with fuller clarity. John Christendom says believers in all ages have the same attitude to this life as if living in a foreign land. Those versed in diplomacy might think that Jacob has has been graciously given an audience with the Pharaoh. And yet it is the Pharaoh who is a lesser party and privileged to be granted a meeting with the patriarch just before his death. Now respected as an elder and paradoxically as a wise man through brokenness, Jacob blesses the mighty king of Egypt in Genesis 47, 7 and 10. Having been chastened for his sin in many years and made strong in his weakness, Jacob can now fully uh, give God's pledge to bless the earth through his family, as was given in Genesis 12, 1-3, and he speaks living words to a starving land. Jacob's age and the presence of God with him both count for the reasons why Pharaoh shows deference to him in our chapter day. That is to say, Scripture exhorts us to hear older people because their many years of walking with the Lord enable him to speak with unique wisdom, with power and authority. The church needs such elders, male men who are biblically qualified to be uh, involved in its life and its ministry. And whether you're a pastor or an elder, this should be the task of every single man. As Titus 2 says, older men, older Christians must actively seek to mentor and pray for younger Christians. That is, a woman should, an older woman should walk with a younger woman and an older man should walk with an older man as we see in Titus 2. 
Now, one commentator has noted, like Jacob, believers throughout church history have often found themselves blessing the world, even though their days could likewise be regarded as few and evil in Genesis 47.9. Martin Luther, for example, faced exile, depression, and unjust excommunication, and even years of death threats. And yet, his rediscovery of the biblical doctrine of justification brought needed reform to the church. It also transformed society. We like to think also of William Carey, who helped reignite a passion for the Great Commission more than 200 years ago. The major uh, corporation of his day opposed Kerry as he tried to establish a foothold for the gospel in India. He also buried two wives, the first of whom suffered insanity in her later years and dealt with countless other problems, including the loss of much of his translation work in a fire. And yet God used this man to remind the church of his call for world outreach. And countless individuals across the globe have heard the gospel because of William Carey's work and inspiring example. Now, Luther and Carey had their personal sins, showing us the Lord can work through the faults as well as the tribulations of the people to bless the world just as he did with Jacob. And like Jacob, we can also count on our creator to provide for us when we bless society and sharing the gospel and even in doing good works to serve our neighbors. Our chapter today records how Joseph's father settled in the best of the land of Ramses in verse 11, which was another name for Goshen, the region the Pharaoh gave to Jacob's family in verses 5 through 6. And this we see our father's good providence reach a high point in the patriarchal age. Despite having sinned greatly, Jacob and his sons were favored by the Lord in the latter years. Nothing thwarted his intent to even preserve and multiply Abraham's sons, as we've seen in Genesis 12, 1-3. This is good news for the church of the Lord Jesus today. Like the patriarchs, none of us can be perfectly a faithful disciple. But even when we're faithless, the the Lord remains faithful, as we see in 2 Timothy 2.13. And though we do not take him for granted, we can be confident our sins, our enemies, and our setbacks will not stop him from using us to bless the earth. Are you discouraged this day because you believe your remaining sin, your indwelling sin, makes it impossible for the Lord to use you? And do the apparent victories of your foes encourage you to give up your service to God? Has a work you're doing for the kingdom of God been slowed because of any lack of funds or other problems? If so, rejoice that our Father loves to use human failings to advance his gospel. Press on and depend on the Lord, for you will bless the world if you abide, if you remain in Christ. And now that Moses has explained how Joseph brought his family to Egypt in Genesis 45 and 46, he proceeds to describe the exact method Joseph uses to feed Egypt and other lands like Canaan. In the five years of famine remaining after he reconciled his brothers, as we've seen in Genesis 45, 1 through 11. Jacob's sons sold grain to the people at the beginning of the seven-year period of starvation in Genesis 41, 56-57, but other measures would have to be taken as well in these desperate times. Now, the lack of food is severe. The people have to spend all their money on grain to feed themselves. The Hebrew for gathered up in Genesis 47:14 is the same word used for the process of gleaning the very last bit of corn or wheat left over after the harvest. Egypt's citizens must scrap together the last of their means to sustain their families since there are no crops to fill their pantries. Broke and even penniless, the Egyptians plead for help and Joseph has them mortgage their animals and their land for survival in verses 15 through 17 of our chapter today, enriching the Pharaoh and making the state the owner 
owner of all things except the priestly lands, as we see in verse 22 of our chapter today. The people become tenant farmers and servants of the king, as we see in verses 20 through 21. Now, it's hard for us to see how this benefits the populace since they lose their private property, but in ancient times, the destitute commonly ensured their survival in this manner. Debtors had to repay their debts with years of service if they had nothing else, according to Leviticus 25, 23 through 55. And so the Lord provided for the release of indentured servants and return of lands after the 50 years. Now, ignoring this legislation, it brought grave consequences upon Israel, as we'll see in Jeremiah 34. Now, Pharaoh was not quite this generous, but that was not Joseph's fault. He did what he could to lawfully in order to save those who would otherwise perish. This work to save the land of the Nile, it shows how wickedly ungrateful it was for another Pharaoh to enslave Joseph's family in Exodus 1, 8-14. From beginning to end, all blessings are from the Lord. The Egyptian prospered when they treated God's chosen well and heeded the wisdom he gave through Abraham's sons. In Moses' day, Egypt suffered because she had ceased to bless the Lord's people, as we'll see in Exodus 7 through 14. Now, according to John Calvin and Matthew Henry, the famine and the relief described in our chapter today, it reminds us that we live and even die at the mercy of God. You see, it's easy to forget that we live, move, and have our being in the Lord, as Acts 17.28 says, and that we must be grateful to Him for every blessing that we have in our lives. And when we forget the Lord, as a later Pharaoh reveals, we cannot be surprised if we suffer the consequences. Offer thanks to the Lord and, and the many specific blessings in your life today. So continuing our examination of the precise methods that Joseph employed to save the Egyptians from starvation, we're going to look today at at comments from John Calvin. He writes that Jacob's son benefited the Pharaoh and the people as he so conducted himself between the two parties as greatly to enrich the king without oppressing the people by tyranny. Now Calvin speaks of the agreement Joseph makes with the people of Egypt. In exchange for the sea, the Egyptians will give one-fifth of the crops to the king and keep 80% of the harvest for themselves as genesis 47 23 through 24 says now the citizens happily embrace this deal and agree to become servants or slaves now due to the nature of slavery at the time they see joseph as their savior not as a harsh slave driver as as we see in verse 25 of our chapter today in joseph's day slaves were more like modern day employees who have signed a contract of employment and the master was akin to a self-employed person who has certain freedoms not shared by the contractual worker of course good business owners today also have more concerns than their co-workers for they must labor hard to keep their people employed Likewise, the slave owner bore a great burden than the slave. The Pharaoh is enriched under Pharaoh, but he must also supply seed and make sure everyone has enough to eat. Well, in any case, the people loved Joseph, and this gives us an example of how we should respond to our own leaders, especially those who feed us with the word of God, our biblically qualified pastor, and our local church. We, we should do what we can to help our overseers perform their tasks with joy and not with groaning, as we see in Hebrews thirteen seventeen. And this is especially true in our relationship to the pastor, who unfortunately often finds himself in a very lonely and a difficult position. Shepherding the flock of God, as 1 Peter 5, 1-4 says, is no easy task, and we make his job harder when we criticize him or even fail to volunteer our time and gifts and service to the congregation. 
Our pastors have a special calling in our churches to equip the saints for the work of ministry, as we see in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. But all of us are to serve and to use our gifts for the honor and glory of God and for the upbuilding of one another's faith. I need you and you need me in our local churches. And so let us embrace our responsibility to minister to one another and let us not entertain a critical spirit so as to help our pastor fulfill their their specific callings. Now, John Christendom explains what will come to lay people who are a special blessing to their pastors when he says this, If anyone renders a service to those afflicted for God's sake and carrying the dignity of priesthood, he will enjoy a reward many times more abundant, since the loving God generously surpasses without fail what we do. So take time today to encourage your pastor and contribute your time and talents to your local church. Now, of all the episodes in Jacob's life, the author of Hebrews chooses the patriarch's blessing of Ephraim and Manasseh on his deathbed in Genesis 47:29 through 48:22 to exemplify the faith that all of us should emulate according to Hebrews 11:21. The Lord does not choose Israel's wrestling with God in Genesis 32:22 through 32 or his dedication of himself to the service of Yahweh hit two other events that could easily have us been selected to illustrate faith. Of course, from a divine perspective, the author of Hebrews had to select the deathbed blessing because that is what the Spirit prompted him to write. And still, from our perspective, there are many other events he could have chosen. And so we ask, why choose this one? Well, there, there seems to be at least two reasons why the author of Hebrews, whoever they are, selects this event from the patriarch's life. First, it occurred at the end of Jacob's life when he was old and frail, according to Genesis 47:29 and Genesis 48:1. Because of his health, there was nothing that Jacob could do except rely wholly on the Lord at this last stage of his life. Unlike other events in his life, there was no possibility for Jacob to lean on his own wits, his own understanding, his own sufficiency. He had to throw himself entirely on the Lord in his grace if he was going to finish the race and transfer the patriarch blessing to his sons well and secondly and secondly this episode at the end of jacob's life it confirms the future oriented character of his trust and his faith in god see faith looks to the future knowing that the lord will surely do all that he has pledged to do as hebrews 11 13 through 16 tells us and now, in having Joseph swear to bury him in Canaan in Genesis 47, 29-31, Jacob confirmed his belief that, that God would bring him out of Egypt. By faith, he looked to the day when Yahweh would keep his promise in its totality, and he knew blessing would come upon his people if they would just trust God in his abundant grace and obey his commands in the promised land. Burial there manifested Jacob's trust in God for such blessing, even in death. And in light of the full witness of the word of God, we know that this abundant life prefigured in Canaan comes after the grave when believers are raised to live in a new promised land, a new earth free from the curse of evil, as we see in Revelation 21. John Calvin offered comments about the patriarch saying that not even death itself could extinguish the power of their faith. Now, all of us must look beyond the end of our lives and even trust God to keep all of his promises to us and to our children. And in these uncertain times, we alone have true hope for our father will set all things right. And in Christ Jesus, he has already begun to do that. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And before we move to the final days of Jacob in Egypt, it's worth noting again the 
wisdom that Joseph displays in Genesis 47, 13-26. This wisdom enabled him to save the land from starvation. And as we've already talked about, it was through prudent planning that this son of Israel was able to feed Egypt when she was hungry, enrich the Pharaoh, and give the citizens the goods necessary for their survival. Joseph is proof that such divine wisdom can be ours as well, if we but acknowledge the Lord and live an upright life, as we see in Proverbs 1-7 and Proverbs 5, 20-23. Joseph prefigures our Savior and Lord and King, who by his perfect obedience to his Father and complete reliance on his will, increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, as we see in Luke 2-52. Our, our passage, our chapter today, uh, describes the end result of Jacob's sojourn in Egypt, the tremendous growth of one small family into a great nation as was first revealed to Abraham. And given the importance attached to living in the land of Canaan, it was probably hard for Jacob to see how dwelling in Egypt could further the Lord's plan. But the patriarch trusted the Lord despite this. He knew that his ways, the Lord's ways, are not our ways, and that the Lord would fulfill even this when it's difficult for us to discern his will for us. And so God kept his promise to bless and even increase his people in Egypt for for that is the kind of God that he is, one who is always true to his word. This turn of events begins to fulfill not only Yahweh's commitment to Abraham, it also points us back to his covenant with Adam. Our first parents were ordered to be fruitful and multiply in Genesis 1.28. And the people of Israel were fruitful and multiplied greatly in the land of the Nile according to Genesis 47. And, 27. and in an important sense, the descendants of Jacob were to be a new Adam through whom the Lord would extend the knowledge of himself and his visible reign to the world. Now, Jacob's sons, they were flawed images of our creator and, and failed just as the Lord foretold in Deuteronomy 31, 16 through 29. And so our father sent one last Adam to faithfully perform Israel's vocation in Matthew 2, 13 through 15 and Romans 5, 12 through 21, thereby reckoning all those in him, in Christ alone, faithful sons and daughters of the king, according to Galatians 3, 1 through 9. Now, Israel called to be a new Adam failed to keep the covenant and increased transgression according to Romans 3, 9 through 20 and Romans 7, 7 through 13. As our perfect representative head, Jesus succeeded where Israel failed and in doing so, he also succeeded where Adam failed. So all those who trust in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in, in the Lord, can now fulfill the task entrusted to man, namely to be a witness of the risen Lord through true worship. So if you are in Christ today, you are in right standing with God and must proclaim his glories to other, others as well. Do that today by the grace of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching today's episode of Reading the Bible Daily with Dave. My name is Dave, and today is February 16th, and we've looked at Genesis 47. Until tomorrow, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to also like, subscribe, or follow Servants of Grace on Facebook, Instagram, X, or YouTube. We appreciate your support.